0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I had the... Uh, the, the... as as like 75 80 percent of the way ready on this when he when he said that and then when he started texting that he wasn't feeling well uh my motorcycle was stalled outside of home depot so it's been one of those weeks but uh thank god that god is in control and uh, we do have uh, uh, i I feel I have a a sermon that will uplift us today Uh, please turn to uh judges chapter six in your bible Today's message is titled, To the Ordinary and Beyond. We'll be covering the first 16 verses in the book of Judges. The events we're talking about today happened about 300 years after the exodus out of Egypt. And God delivered the nation out of Egypt by his might. The people of Israel are living in the promised land And had been living there for hundreds of years. This is a time in the history of Israel that is often referred to as the time of the judges. It is called that because Israel did not have an earthly king. Instead, God raised up ordinary people to lead the nation as needed. These people were referred to as judges. There are 12 men and one woman who are referred to by name in the book of Judges. There may have been more, we don't know, but that's how many were referred to. Judges chapter 6 opens with the statement that the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Statements similar to this occur many times in the Old Testament. These statements could be very discouraging. However, we have Jesus and Jesus broke this cycle by saving us, establishing His church, and giving us the Holy Spirit to direct us and to draw us back to God. So let's read the first uh, uh, four verses in the book of Judges. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave him into the hand of Midian and seven years. Uh, the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, and the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep, or ox, or donkeys." And that was a huge thing for them. Somehow people, even God's people, think they can do anything they like. They do not know, or perhaps they do not remember, that God loves them too much to allow that. In this case, God was trying to draw his people back to himself using the actions of the Midianites and the Amalekites. They came to steal, and ruin everything Israel was growing for food and clothing. The Israelites were very discouraged, and the only response they came up with was to try and hide themselves and their possessions in caves and remote places. It is very difficult to hide things from a mob, because when they come, they wander around everywhere and steal or ruin everything and anything that they find. Why was Israel having this problem? Verse 1 tells us, it was because the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. Also, verse 10 tells us, you have not obeyed my voice. In our day and age, we see the same problem all around us. We We see people, families, cities, countries, and even the whole world doing what seems right in their own eyes and do not consider what is right in the eyes of God. This brings us to our first application for today. And that is what should we consider doing in response to God's word today? Always ask yourself, what does God want you to do now? The first and the simplest thing to do along these lines is to ask him. Let each of us pray now for a few minutes, asking God to help us understand what, if anything, he wants us to do differently. I'll be quiet for a couple of minutes while you pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together today. We ask that you will bless uh, your word today and, and bless uh, what you'd have to say through us, to us. Amen. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six gives us another possible answer. That's part of what we read this morning. And that is to love the Lord your God. I'm sorry, it's a different verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself one of the things we know that God wants us to do for me one answer is spend more time in God's Word by memorizing verses of the Bible I'll be talking more about memorizing near the end of today's message the book of Judges now brings us from general information about Israel to specific interaction between an angel God and one man Uh, verse 11 starting in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazite, While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine breasts to hide it from Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. We now learn which person is the focus of this chapter. That is Gideon. The first time we read of Gideon is in Judges we find Gideon working at a job which does not seem to require any leadership skills, anything related to the army or teaching God's word. What we find Gideon doing is a very boring job of trying to separate the grain from the useless, uh, uh, it's called chaff that surrounds the grain, the husk around the grain. And this process is called threshing At this time, the process usually involved taking the grain to a nice breezy or windy place, uh, uh, such as the top of the hill, and walking over the grain, or having oxen drag a log or something like that over the grain to break it apart. This process is a very itchy job. I have been involved in uh, uh, harvesting of grain, and when you get that that clouds of that chaff in the air, it's very fine, and it floats easily, and it lands everywhere very itchy so doing this is is always kind of a miserable job anyway but doing it in a wine press would have been especially miserable and not as efficient as it would be in a, a windy spot or a hilly spot either so this was a man that God is calling a man of valor a man of courage really um, they, this tells us a couple of things about Gideon. He was a hardworking man who was trying very hard to feed his family. Also, it tells us that he was what most people would think of as a very ordinary person. God chose to send his messenger, an angel, to this ordinary person. The angel greets Gideon with the words, The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you is with you what a wonderful greeting wow often when I read passages like this in the Old Testament I think wow that person was really blessed by God in this case Kedian is told the Lord is with you as I was thinking about this blessing I thought of Romans eight thirty-five, where we are told that nothing can separate us from the love of God that also tells us, tells us who have been saved that we are extremely blessed because we are in Christ. What a wonderful promise that is to know that nothing, nothing can separate us from our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, wow. I feel like I can go home right now. In this book, Judges For You, Timothy Keller says that in Gideon's response, Gideon suggests that God is not really with Gideon. Often when we are asking questions, we are not really asking questions so much as arguing. In this case, Gideon was arguing with God. It is okay for us to ask questions of God. However, we need to try and understand ourselves. Are we really asking a question or are we arguing with God? In this case, as is often the case with us, God was remarkably patient with Gideon. It's a good thing for people like that, that I'm not God, because I probably would have zap. Okay, next. Sorry. The next part of the greeting, God calls Gideon a mighty man of courage. Call a man who was working very hard at some humble work while hiding from the enemy, a very brave warrior. Really? To call Gideon a mighty man of courage at this point seems to be not very realistic. However, apparently God was referring to the mighty things that he was going to do through Gideon. This also reminds us that God uses ordinary people to do his work. That brings us to our second application today. God can and will do amazing work through ordinary people who serve him. We need to trust God to enable us to do what he tells us to do. As Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Gideon responded to the angel with some questions. The first question was, why has all of this happened to us? I think Gideon should have known the answer to that. After all, Gideon was living in the midst of a nation which is breaking God's laws in many, many ways, including worshiping idols throughout the land. After all, in Judges 1, uh, 6-1, God says that the people did what was evil in the sight, and that is not a small thing for God to say. The next part of Gideon's question is, why is God not doing wonderful things like he did in the old days when he brought his people out of Egypt? This is really strange to me when I first read it and thought about it because, come on, Gideon is in the old days to us, (laughs) but not to him, obviously. God was doing wonderful things. However, to better understand why Gideon said this, he was probably talking to this angel about 300 years after God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. So to Gideon, it did not seem like God was doing things in Gideon's time. However, God was already doing things. First, God was allowing the enemies to create problems for Israel so the people would turn back to God. That was God's working. They didn't see that. Oh, no, this is a terrible thing. Terrible things can be God's working. And they're not always, but... If they're not God's working, then God will work through them. It is important for us to understand that just because God is not doing the things that we would like him to do, that does not mean that God is not working in our lives. Next, we need to understand that we have to carefully compare God's words to us with the questions that we ask. Gideon asked the question, why is God not doing wonderful things now? God did not say the words, I am doing wonderful things now. You just haven't noticed it yet. But God does say is, I am going to work through you to solve this problem. Now that's an intimidating thought to anybody. Oh, here's an a, a, uh, unsolvable problem that God is gonna solve through me? Wait a minute. You've got the wrong number. I had a, a song request for today and I, I sent it to uh, uh, James yesterday, but James says replied, that says, well, if you really think you need it, we can do it, I think, uh, but he'd already sent out the uh, 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 approved the song list on Thursday, which I didn't know at that point that I was going to be preaching today, so I didn't ask for them. Uh, Funny how that works. However, to me, the first three songs today all were amazingly relevant to our story today. The first song, You Have Done Great Things. He is doing great things in the life of Gideon right now. Another song, One of the lines of it was, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Again, unfortunately Gideon didn't know that song. (laughs) I presume he didn't know that song. At least he didn't know it in English. I'm quite sure of that. So anyway, God is telling, uh, uh, God does say sometimes, is I'm going to work through you uh, to solve these problems so let's read verse 14 and the, Lord, and the Lord turned to him and said go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian do not I send you what a rich verse that is the question that Gideon asked was have you deserted us have you given up on us God we haven't seen you for hundreds of years what's going on God did not directly answer the question. When God answers a different question than the one we asked, it is probably because we did not ask the best question. In this case, by his grace, God answered a better question than what Gideon asked. But God answered is, how is God going to deliver Israel from the enemies? That's what he told him. how he's going to do it. In this verse, God is making it very clear to Gideon that he is the one God is going to use to save Israel. It is easy for us to understand why Gideon had problems with that. To be told that it was his job to lead a nation in a battle against an enemy that had been defeated, defeating them for a long time, would have been very frightening, especially when Gideon did not consider himself a great leader of a powerful army. Another thing Timothy Keller says in his book, he says, we essentially say, Lord, why don't you remove this problem instead of saying, Lord, make me the person who can handle this problem. That's a tough prayer, prayer to pray. But it'd be a very good one for us to pray. The key to this verse seems to be, do not I send you. God was telling Gideon that God was going to use Gideon to solve this problem for the people of Israel. When we are thinking about our problems, we need to consider God's holy book, the Bible, and what it says. In this case, one of the verses that can help us is in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are There are many times that we cannot see a solution to our problems. Then it is necessary for us to go to God and seek what he would have us do. Instead of telling God what he should do next, Gideon basically told God that it is impossible for him to lead anyone in battle. So, let's look at the next verse, verse 15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Oh, sounds like excuses to me. Ask me how I know about excuses because I'm an expert. God is not really looking for information from God. Gideon is not really looking for information from God. He wants God to save Israel without Gideon having to do anything. See how he says, I cannot lead Israel because my clan is the weakest. Gideon apparently thinks that because his clan is the weakest, then the rest of the nation will not pay any attention to him. Then Gideon says, not only that, but I am the least in my father's house. Another level of saying, God, you should really pick someone else. I fully understand the desire for God to choose others to do his work, especially when it is frightening and difficult. However, God expects us to have faith in him. When we have the right kind of faith and the right place, we put our faith in God, then our faith is dependent on who we have faith in, not on our own abilities. To see that, let's read verse 16. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. In his grace, God chooses to encourage Gideon, not disciplining him for his doubts and lack of faith. Gideon starts to show that he really is a mighty man of God by listening to God. Later in Judges, chapter 6 and 7, it goes on to tell us some of the mighty things that God did, that Gideon did as he was challenged by God and enabled by God. What a wonderful promise God gave to Gideon. I will be with you. What a wonderful promise. If we really think about it, that is perhaps one of our deepest desires for God to be with us not just that he will spend some time with us but that he will be with us when we are facing problems and when facing problems that we cannot even imagine surviving let alone gaining the victory God is promising Gideon that he will not just defeat the Midianites but defeat them in an overwhelming way God said you shall strike them as one man This is a wonderful promise to a man like Gideon who cares about his people and their problems. Now here are a few things about this promise that Gideon needed to decide. One, did God really say what Gideon thought he said? Two, Did Gideon mean what he said? In other words, was God telling the truth? And three, was God able to do what he promised Gideon? Later in the book of Judges, it is recorded that Gideon did trust God and went on to do difficult things, which God said that Gideon would do with God's assistance. Gideon did not really hear God correctly. Gideon did really hear God correctly. As Gideon started doing what he, God told him to do, Gideon's faith grew. And Gideon's faith in God's word grew. Also as Gideon served God, Gideon learned that God was and is able to do fulfill all of his promises. I think we need to think about these same points in our own life. One, Does God's word say what I think it says? Is that what it really says? We need to be always seeking to understand God's word better. As I have walked with God over the years, my understanding of what it says in his word has grown. My basic understanding has remained unchanged. I still believe that God created everything from nothing. I still believe he is in control of everything I still believe we can only be saved through Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of the things I thought when I was younger I have since come to understand better. Such such as, when I was a child, I thought that a prayer had to end with the word amen or it wasn't a valid prayer. While I still usually end my prayers with amen, now I consider it a suitable way to end that conversation, not some sort of a magic word which makes the prayer works. Our prayers are heard because of our relationship with Christ, not because we say the word amen at the end of them. Think about it for a minute. How has your understanding of God's messages changed is God's word true? Yes, God's word is always completely true. I have learned that his word is the Bible is more true than I ever imagined when I was a child. I have come to understand that it is God's divine revelation to us, and it's not just one of the books that God used to reveal himself to us. It is the one and only book where God has revealed Himself to us. It tells us that Jesus Christ is one and only way to a relationship with God, and we have to enter into that relationship through faith in Christ. As it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, we must confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. For it is with our heart that we believe and are justified. It is the mouth that we confess and are saved. Three, is God able to do what he promises? Yes, God not only is able to keep his promises, he always keeps all of his promises. That is another thing we learned over time. The Bible itself tells us time and time again that God is always able to do what he promises. Not only is he always able to do what he promises, he always, always keeps his promises, all of his promises. We can also see in our own lives, in the lives of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, God is still keeping all of his promises. The New Testament book of Hebrews tells us of Gideon's faith. In chapter 11, verse 32 of Hebrews, we read that Gideon did amazing things through God, through his faith in God. This is further proof that Gideon grew and matured in his faith in God. Now for the hard question for today. What are you, what am I, what are all of us going to do to increase our faith, your faith, my faith, In God in his word. If you are wondering how to increase your faith, here's an idea. One of the ways to increase your faith is to memorize Scripture. And one of the so currently I'm working on memorizing Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Verse 17 of that says we should take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, a lot of scripture that is excellent opportunities to memorize. We, we see James sending out opportunities uh, almost every week of various verses we can memorize. Whether it's this or whichever one you choose, the more you memorize. Because if you're like me, memorizing takes a lot of time going over the passage and going over it again and again and again. I've been working on that passage for about two months now, probably three times a day after I got over the first time. And that's how often I have to go over it to get it in my mind in my heart. And I finally realized that's a good thing to have to review it that much because I spend more time in it. So I guess my bad memory is a gift from God. (laughs) never would have thought it remember god uses ordinary people in mighty ways i suggest you seriously consider memorizing his word father we thank you for this time together today we thank you for your word your wonderful word that has so many truths into it in it the truths for life, the truths for relationship with you, the truths that, that help us to uh, uh, solve our problems, to defeat our enemies. The, even though in that uh, passage in Ephesians, it tells us how to defeat the devil and that we are to resist the devil. And also in, in uh, James, it also tells us that, resist the devil and he will flee from you. God, just thank you so much for these wonderful promises. Amen. May God richly bless you if you spend time with We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.